Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod, brought to you by Asahi Superdry. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Gertie are with me as usual. We'll be chatting about Fiji moving to the brink of the quarterfinals, wallopings for Romania and Italy, and looking ahead to the epic Ireland v Scotland clash. Plus, we'll be chatting to Fiji boss Simon Rao-Louis. So settle back, enjoy, and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendour. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. How are we, lads? It's great to all be in studio, lads. It is. Good of you to make the effort, James. No, well, oh, you've been busy. Time in work, yeah. Time in work. So I want to just pick up on a couple of things, because let's just bring us all back down to earth. Me and Andy Rowe have come in the black T-shirts. Have you been on the beat, Goody? Oh, oh mate. I'm a policeman. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do your bit for I'm the in, police. Um, yeah, I like have the police, you, is, there a, is there an event you've had or uh, whatever? I've just been in the office, just FXing, foreign exchanging all morning, working hard. And so I'm in my work shirt and some black chinos. Lovely. And you boys put the memo on of black t-shirts. Just hide to the sweat, like genuinely. Like this is functional as opposed mm. to trying to look like cool as... Why are your sleeves so baggy? That's what I'm trying to work well, out. I, that's... A, Absolute yeah. fucking noodles for I'm arms. I'm back here. training hard. I just can't... You know, I had this chat with Stevie Ferris. Yeah. About arms. Mm. Okay, so... Long levers you got. Lo- you? Well, yes, long levers. How do you make your arms look big? I'm going to come to you, Andy Good, first, because you're mad into your training at the minute. How do you make your arms look big? Yeah, how do you train them? What, Triceps. What exercise? Triceps. Good on you. Yeah. Mm. You blow my mind. Mate, I know my so physical preparation. I was trying to Stevie now. Ferris, and he's got big arms on him, and doesn't he know it? Wearing skin tight t shirts. I was like, mate, right, hang on. There's a bit of a crisis here. The arms are not only long and thin, they're deteriorating rapidly. Are they? Well, they were. This is like a couple of years ago yeah. when Graves' disease well, it was at its peak. Uh, let's not talk about illnesses. I'm better now. Are they still functional, though? I'll tell you that I've never been stronger, humbly, but let me just finish what Stevie <laughs> Mate, said. You have. Stevie <laughs> when is When you're like, a 140 kilogram wildebeest. It was a different strength, though. Okay. It was a strength in life. Like, now I am big into my training, as you know, but obviously I want to look good. Like, you see Chris Hemsworth, for example, like massive arms, Logan Paul, see him on social media popping up. He's obviously putting other stuff in, in there as opposed to bicep curls and tricep curls. I think you're setting the bar too high. Yeah. What? Well, no, I'm... Do you know who you should compare yourself to? Don't say Nick Kennedy. No. We've had him on the live show scene. Big Dev. Oh, yeah. De- Dev Toner. Mate, he's got better arms than you. I'll tell you now, Dev Toner, I saw a picture of him. And as lovely as Dev is, he's given his kit away. Now, I'm happy that my arms are a bit, well, like I hope pregnant, they're bigger than Pregnant him. snake? Or? Yeah, there is that kind of feel to him. I saw Justin Harrison as well. He ain't got the biggest of arms. But chatting to Stevie Ferris, Goody said it first up. Triceps. He's going to say it's triceps. Mm. I've been doing the wrong exercise, lads. Shout out to Mikey from Full Circle Fitness. Is he going to get some triceps sorted for me? Uh, mate, if you want to come down and train with us... I'll take you to the cleaners. You son. would not, son. It, you what, would not. it depends what the exercises are. I'm very regimented, albeit been on the road, and that's, you know, I've been back in the gym now and again. You'll see on my social media, I'm posting basically like heavy trap bar, then taking the weights off, putting it away, and then just going on the cross trainers with the old, the old fogies. But <laughs> triceps is key. Look at us talking about training. Yeah. I've got to say, great to see you on TV on the box on uh, Saturday and Sunday. Top draw. Loving it, Andrew. Top draw. Loving it. Like legitimate pundit in the middle of the game. Oh, God. Legitimate. That's nice of you. Well, no, but like knows it inside and out compared to some. What did Clive Woodward say? My pimpy's a hooker. He thought my pimpy was a hooker. (laughs) He meant meant Umbanambi 
who was on the bench but wasn't on the bench. Bring on Mapimpi or uh, Umbanamba. He sounds like, Clive Woodward sounds like Joe Biden, basically. <laughs> so out of touch, but there we go. But you were great, Jim. I was happy to be in that. Minute. I've got one last game, which is the All Blacks Uruguay, and I doubt I'll ever be used again. I have a feeling that this could be my last stint on ITV. No, well, you went from, hold on a minute. Mate, last week you said, oh, I've got, my last game is the big one, Scotland-Romania. Oh, I don't think anyone wants me. And then you got the Sunday gig as well. Yeah, but I had that already, but I forgot oh, did I had you? that. Oh, you forgot. The big one, yeah. Admin. That's why I had the same two. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know I was doing two back-to-backs. Yeah, and then therefore, by putting it out there, you get more work. Wise. They're giving me the big one. New Zealand, Uruguay. New Zealand, Uruguay at the weekend. Actually, to be fair... It's not the weekend. You know, it's not the weekend. No, just, it's a Thursday, just, yeah. Just, yeah. just start of the rugby weekend. <laughs> but actually, I was meant to do Scotland, Ireland at the weekend, pitch side. But I ask for release so I could do the Rugby Pass TV stuff, which obviously, as you know, we've spoken about, I'm loving doing. And they've given me that release and probably make me sign something say, saying that I'm never welcome back for that reason. You're good at your job. You did very well. Thank you, Andrew. You look like a... A coat hanger. Was stuck I know, in. I need to get the gear right. You criticised someone else's tailoring recently. Um, good old Charles Tirrett. We did a live show with him on... Uh, they followed me. On Wednesday night. There you go, They Jim. followed me on social. You should have gone to Charles yeah. Tirrett. Potentially you me might and be right. did a live show with Matt Dawson, Jason Robinson and Caden Murley and Looseheads. So shout out to those boys. Mm-hmm. He could still go, I reckon, Jason Robinson. Bet he could. Like, he could genuinely, you look at all the ex-pros, we're seeing a lot of them being rolled out around the World Cup and rolled out in, well yeah it rolled out because it's yeah. on media, the media and yeah. the big gym show and all that there's very few that retire and five, six, seven however many years later look like they could still go mm. Dan Levy he can definitely still go yeah we're not talking him up now legend Jason Robinson 100% I reckon could still do half a job yeah. well half a job's been a bit harsh do a proper job. Chet's been nice, guys, but I really want to get onto the Scotland Island game. I'm so fucking excited. Like, it's huge. It's, are you really, though? Yeah, I genuinely am. Yeah. I can't imagine how excited you are. Very. Like, this is, is this the biggest game Scotland's had in how many years? Biggest game ever, I'd say. Ever? I think that's an exaggeration, James. Do you mean yeah. another one? Well, they've won a Grand Slam. <laughs> in when? 19. <laughs> I don't know, but they've won exactly. one. Exactly. So surely was, that was their biggest game. When it was game, the Five Nations. Yeah. You played in the quarterfinal. Yeah, but it's... So is a group game bigger than a quarterfinal in a previous World Cup? I'll tell you why it's the biggest game, right? Because it's now. One, because it's now, and because the profile of our team is never going to be as good as it is now. It's easy to say, well, in four years, Finn could go to at least 40. He ain't going again. I don't know if he goes again. I don't know if he goes again. I don't know if Sioli Tupolotu goes again. I don't think Duan van der Merwe goes again. Why are you retiring all the boys before they're even out of the comp on Sunday? I'm putting pressure on them <laughs> to deliver. We're struggling with what's coming through, speaking frankly. Our under-20s, I mean, Uruguay are on the way up, but they got beat by Uruguay <laughs> in the under-20s tournament, which was played in Kenya. Lovely spot, climb Mount Kenya, but that's not where the big teams go and play, is it? So, you nearly died in Mount, on Mount Kenya, mm. didn't you? No, not me. Reese Gill did. Yeah. I saved a life. Oh, I saved a couple yeah. of lives. Yeah. But Scotland were playing rugby out there. So for them reasons... Scotland's biggest game. It's the World Cup. It's against the world number one. We have to package it. I say we, everyone is, that this is Scotland's biggest game. It's the last game of the World Cup for them. We'll see. The permutations around it. Uh, Well, what are you basing that on? Because have I convinced you over over our chats? I'm just excited because, like, they can, you've got backs that can score tries. Mm. So you've got world class back three. If you guys get it right up front, if you get some parity, and if it is one of those physical encounters and you can match some blow for blow and hang in there, you've got game breakers that can score tries and get the bonus point. Ask me the question then. Do you think you can win? Yeah. No. Hand on heart, I genuinely think we can win. So good, it's not being horrible now I'm because not. you've picked I'm being Ireland. Honest. I'm being honest, mate. This is crazy, right? So think about it this way. Scotland beat Ireland and deny Ireland a bonus point. So win by eight points. Or so win by eight points. Or more or more, and deny Ireland getting four tries, because then we're going down a rabbit hole of trying to work out some ridiculous yeah. permutations. The world number one team are out yeah. of the World Cup. And if you pick six lottery numbers, and they're the correct lottery numbers on Euro Millions, you can win £100 million sometimes. <laughs> and buy Gloucester. <laughs> Take out that you've said that Ireland are going to win it, and there's a part of... If, the, if Ireland beat... Scotland at the weekend, I'd love to see Ireland go all the way. Yeah, I love South Africa. I'd love to you're see Ireland go all the way. You're not going to be English again if Scotland are out. No, I'd love to see Ireland win it. Yeah, but you're English. 
I'm a quarter English. Yeah. But this is based on friends of the show. Yeah. This is based on being in Dublin, all the things that you spoke about. Yeah. But I don't want Ireland to win. I want Scotland to win. I'm happy yeah. to say that. Yeah. What percent chance do you give us? Or be honest, so put your expert... Well, my, my take on it, and I get the whole excitement, and I'm excited about it as well. Don't get me wrong. It's a huge game. Jim talks it up on TV and there's a lot of people now going, oh, the pressure's on Ireland and blah, 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 blah. They've never got past the quarterfinal in a World Cup. Let's just be frank about this. No matter what has happened or what would have happened in this group, Ireland were always going to have to beat Scotland to qualify for the knockouts. It's not like all the pressure's on them because if they lose, they're out. They're always going to have this mindset of, we're going to try and beat South Africa, which they've done. Obviously, they were going to win all their other games. They always had to beat, because of the way the pool is set up, they're always going to have to win this last game to qualify. So it changes, to me, it changes nothing for Ireland because Scotland all of a sudden have got momentum and all this stuff. It was always going to come to this point of last game shootout for one or both teams to make it through to the knockouts. So I don't think the pressure changes on Ireland whatsoever until they dispatch Scotland by 20 and then get to a quarters next week against New Zealand. But mm. there is a chance, of course there's a chance, because you know Scotland have some worldy players, as, as we've listed. The big thing for me, and the rhetoric and the kind of angles that a lot of the Scots are coming out with, and I, I've said it on social media, I've said it on here, watching the game at the weekend, yes, they're only playing Romania, but they dispatched Romania in a manner where they can challenge Ireland. And I'm not comparing the two, Scotland need a frenzied game. They need it broken up. If Ireland prove that the, if it's a slow, turgid game where it's all about the physicality, they can win it. They've beaten the best in the world at that game in South Africa a few weeks back. And I listened to what you said and Geech said and you know other people have said, John Barkley in the studio and a lot of people around in the press and social media, they're all saying, oh, if, if Scotland can hang in there and you know have Darcy Graham on the bench and, and this player on the bench then bring them on with 20 to go and blah, blah. I think that's quite a negative mindset. I, I don't think that that's the case. Either. I've oh, not said that. I think you might as well put your game out there instead of losing by 10 or 15 and not trying to match Ireland by going, oh, we need a line-out forward because they've got a great line-out or we need to play Carl Stain because they're going to box kick. They're going to box kick whoever's playing. So I think Scotland need to put all their eggs in the basket of players like Darcy Graham. And he got, you know, the question around Darcy Graham now, because he made the break against South Africa and didn't pass it, that's why Carl Stain came in and he was put on the bench, wasn't he? And, mm. and then the whole thing around Chris Harris and Hugh Jones and Hamish Watson, and a big one for you, I put it on social media. In Scotland, it's gone down like a shit sandwich, <laughs> but a lot of people agreed as well. Jamie Ritchie as captain, and people are like, yes, but he has a line-out option. I think your best back rowers are Hamish Watson and Rory Dodge in terms of impacts on a game. So for me, it's a big call. I don't think he'll do it. And, I, you know, he's a captain, so he's not going to do it. But there's loads of selection issues for him. Does he go conservative and try and match Ireland? Or does he go, fuck it, with Scotland? We ain't going to die wondering. We're going to leave everything out there. Give Finn all the tools. So give him Darcy Graham. Give him Hugh Jones. You know, Hamish Watson, his ball carrying, and you talk about physicality, that's sometimes where Scotland come up short. Amish doesn't come up short in physicality, does he? He's a ball carrier that gets over the gain line, gets him go forward. Like, you watch him any time he plays, he's bouncing off three or four defenders. And he's desperate at the minute as well. Yeah. A lot of it will be around the mindset of Scotland. Are they thinking about themselves or are they trying to match Ireland and hope, for dear God, that they can stay in the game? Because that, to me, that's a negative mindset. It'd be disappointing. In a knockout game mm. where if, you, if Scotland do what we've seen them do, where they're chucking everything at it, Finn's got the keys to the Lambo after four beers in the week. It's on like Donkey Kong. Yeah. And that's going to be around the selection we were talking about. And again, having sat on it, mentioned, I can see Carl Stein starting, chatting to Goody about it. You can see them going down that route. There's nothing, between, and people think this is crazy to say there's nothing between Darcy Graham. If you go based on the weekend and his highlight reel, I say Carl Stein because of the kicking. And does that matter? Potentially, when you've got Mac Hansen, James Lowe, Hugo Keenan, who are unbelievable in the air. But they're the massive decisions. In World Cups gone by, mentioned with Andy Robinson, we were going into team runs before, must-win games against England in the pool. We didn't know who was scrum half. We didn't know who the seven was going in. He's got to be razor, razor sharp with the lads. Like, this is how it's going to go down. This is the game plan, which they will have. Like, these are obvious things, but I think we've never been clearer on what we need to do and the importance of the bench as well. Yeah, to me, it will speak volumes on his mindset. And when I say his, I mean Gregor's mindset 
on who he selects. This is me guessing, but also what I would have. I think it's not impossible, but I don't think he dropped Jamie Ritchie. No. I just don't think that that happens. He is a line-out option. Is he fully fit? For sure. It comes down to it. He got knocked out against yeah. Tonga. Is he fully fit? Can he train? I think the lads need to be in a position to train all week. I think you have to be in that position. It can't be in this game, maybe later on in the tournament, if they make a semi or the training load becomes less. But I think this week specifically, off the back of a team run against Romania, you need full noise in training. So I think Jamie starts. I think Hamish starts. I think Hamish Watson's in at seven. Hamish has been through a load of injuries, a dip in form off the back of the British and Irish Lions tour. I've been talking about Rory Darge. And as good as Rory Darge is, he hasn't been as good as I've kind of said he has. And you've got Hamish Watson, who is a desperate player. I saw him in Nice and he came to the beach cycle that I was hosting for the SRU with Cam Redpath and I was trying to have a laugh with him and, and you could see he weren't there to take part. He was there to fucking take over. He he wants to play. Like he was like, man, I'm, I want in. Like, I'm not a dead dog and put me down, but I'm desperate to play. Like and he was fuming, you could see. Did the event, walked off, played how he did against Romania, carrying the ball like he meant business. So I, I, I'd pick Hamish and I think they might go down that route Jamie Ritchie, Hamish Watson, Jack Dempsey, and me. You on the plane as well. Imagine. Imagine me playing. <laughs> get snapped in two. This is hot. People are going to hate it. I'd go Carl Stein. Idiot. Darcy Graham is one of my favourite players in the world. You need X Factor to beat Ireland. Darcy Graham, is he making line breaks like we've seen against Romania when they were playing touch, like we saw against Tonga when he came on? Like you saw against Africa but didn't pass it. Yeah. So he's done it in every game. Like he did against New Zealand in the autumn. Mm, and against England. <laughs> I'm just thinking strategically for the first time ever. Imagine this then. We're here next Monday. Yeah. And he started Carl Stein and Chris Harris. Chris Harris, mate of mine, played with him at Newcastle. Great bloke. But you lose by 10. And it was like, oh, we'll never know. But if you go deeper into it, Gregor was talking, this is me, I've not got the stats in front of me. Scotland lived and have lived and live with Ireland up till 50 minutes. That's what Greg has spoken about in the week. So you look at the games gone by, the ones where we've been in the game, we've only beaten them once in 10 years, and that was in 2017. Did you play? Oh, I played in the one 10 years ago. I got my, <laughs> got my of the match guilty. That was the year of the Lions. Hold on, you've won it once in... Once in 10 years. Yeah. And this comes down to the point. 50 minutes, Greg has been speaking about, they've been in the game, and they've had opportunities. He's gone back and looked at probably every game over the last five years, four years that they've played them since the last World Cup in 2019. So there's the argument. Stick with them to 50, put it on the bench. But look, we're talking going heavy on Scotland here. What do Ireland do? Do Ireland full noise. go full noise? Of course they do. Of course they do. Of course they do. This has been in Andy Farrell's mind for ages. This is what I can't understand the people in the press. As if Ireland have never known that they've got to beat Scotland to qualify for the knockouts. You just <laughs> said one word there, Andrew, which he keeps saying, mind. His mind. Mindset. All Andy Farrell talks about is the mind and the pressure that Ireland are under because... They're under pressure because if they lose by eight or more and don't score four tries, they're out. So that's pressure. This isn't, you've never been past a quarterfinal pressure. I don't know. I think it is. I don't, yeah. There's so much talk around it. Surely they hear the noise. It's not a quarterfinal, lads. It's technically a last 16 game. I understand that everyone's going to throw it at them. Yeah, imagine it next week if and when they beat Scotland. They're playing New Zealand. Yes, but you've never beaten anyone in a quarterfinal. Then it grows. That's the question mark over Ireland, though. And that's where we will see with Andy Farrell. Like you asked at the start, do I think Scotland can win? I do think they There's a pause. can win. But there is a pause. Of course there is. Ireland are 16 games unbeaten. Yeah. If Ireland are going to beat Scotland, win the quarterfinals, they've got the longest unbeaten world record. They've got the world record. Mm. Fuck, the pressure's on for them. <laughs> <laughs> can Scotland attack their line out? If Jim's playing... No, no, maybe because their lineup was awful against South Africa, but they got Paul O'Connell, so they'll get that right. The question will come for Scotland the crux of it, physicality. That's where we struggled against Ireland before, and that's where we saw Ireland, South Africa, the physicality. We saw South Africa versus Scotland, we struggled with physicality. We were better against Tonga, but we struggled at times around that. I mean, either way, it's going to be unbelievable. Epic. Saturday night in Paris. This is the one thing. I've got Ali McCoy's pitch side with me on Ruby Pass TV. Do I get him to turn around and rally the troops? He, he, yeah, could, he rally could rally the man. troops. He, he, could, he should be in the changing room. Forget Jarrah Butler. Ali McCoy's the great Scott. He should be in the changing room with the lads, not with Jim Hamilton on the side of the Yeah, board. we'll get him we'll there. Get him do both. Just on that, actually, big shout out, because you talk about emotion leading up to games. So Kenny Logan and Ali McCoy's and Jason Fox is a few, actually, that 
they're cycling from Edinburgh to Paris with the match ball. Imagine but, the gooch. Yeah, I'm hoping that the slime of the gooch isn't the slime on the ball because yeah. the balls have been slippy. The rugby balls have been slippy. They're delivering the match ball for the game. So the emotion around that, does that give us mm. an extra edge? But it's going to be unbelievable. You need all the help you can get. We've been talking about it yeah. for months, haven't yeah. we? Mm, this yeah. has been the build-up for us. Imagine, forget zombie. How's about fucking 500 males? <laughs> and the proclaimers. You know, well, it'll be no... interesting to see the, the balance of the fan base as well in the stadium. Oh, Because the Irish, as you know, travel to many places around the world. And they travelled in their droves to Paris for the South Africa game. There'll be a lot of bollocks hanging out, I'm telling you now. <laughs> There's going to be some skirts and sporrons. Are you going to wear your sporron and skirt pitch side? Mm. There's a challenge. Oh. If you believe that Scotland can win, <laughs> you should wear your <laughs> skirt kilt and sporron. I will see. Maybe I'll bring the skin do. Skin do. Let's finish off this chat then. Let's get a prediction. Yes. Who's winning by how much? Oh. Who's going first? Jim, do you yeah, want to go first? I'll go first. Scotland by four. Scotland by four? I think we win, but not enough. Jim's going Scotland by four. I'm going Ireland by 20. Why Come that, on, Ireland! Why are you bouncing around like Harvey? Because I just, I'm, yeah. I'm like Irish. I like Guinness. <laughs> and Black Current. Yeah, I'm going Ireland by 20, boys. Comfortable. Sorry, Scotland. No, it ain't going to be comfortable. I'm looking forward to next month. I can't wait. Genuinely, it's been building for ages. Yeah. Speaking of comfortable, I mean... They looked like world beaters on the weekend, the All Blacks, didn't they? Oh, he's back. The All Blacks, you beat Italy. They did look good, to be fair. I was there. Italy playing touch game. I think... Did still, Italy give up? I think that Italy were like, we ain't beating the All they Blacks. Give up. They, didn't, they weren't there, they were they? didn't turn up, did they? I'm thinking they just thought, we're going to do France next weekend and qualify. France, hey, there's a pressure on France. I'd say now there is pressure on... And Italy got history against them. But on mm. the game, my boss was like, oh, I reckon... Italy have got a puncher's chance. Mate, I'm like, James, come people, on. Loads of people were saying I'm that. I'm like, you're dreaming. That's the worst matchup for Italy. Yeah. Like, if South Africa play Italy because of the way that they play, you can deal with them. New Zealand, the All Blacks, are still the best team in the world in terms of, like, I don't even know how to package this when I explain it. As rugby players. Do you know what I mean? As in... Their skill set, their one and one. They're the best players <laughs> as rugby players. You know, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to explain that I can <laughs> Yeah, well, basically, you get a Rico Uani or you get an Ardi Surveyor one on one. Ardi Surveyor is ridiculous. Like they're they? the best players in the world. And yeah. so when you're not joined up like Italy weren't, you're looking at nearly 100 points. I thought it was going to be 60 points, 60, 70 points, and it's a hard one to explain. So it's almost like there's no point talking about it because Italy were that poor. Yeah. I mean, even Kieran Crowley said they're probably not going to review the game. It's probably best not to yeah, because it was a game of touch. Stick it in the bin, bads, because you've got to beat France. You, they've still got a chance, Italy. People like idiots are coming out, kick them out the Six Nations. Oh, but that's yeah. probably the best thing that's happened to Italy, going into the France game. Yeah. Do you not think? Yeah. As in being embarrassed? Yeah. Because we're all talking about Italy and they're getting better, the under-20s, they've been competitive, they took France Maybe France close. will take them lightly. They took Scotland close in the Six Nations as well. Pressure's now, on France now. Pressure's on France. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Italia, Italia, Is DuPont back for that or what? No, he's, no. He's, he's, he's no. in him training. He's, Mate, he's out of bike, lads. <laughs> His face is swollen. They'll push him back for a quarterfinal. Everyone will be like, oh, is that the right thing to do? He ain't going to play or be involved in the quarterfinals unless medically he's been passed to do everything. Nice um, safety. Yeah. Cheekbone, not a brain. I don't yeah. know, but people think it's a head. Remember we spoke a few weeks ago, is the 100-point barrier going to be broken? No one thought it would be Italy nearly taking 100. Mate, they, oh, I was there and the All Blacks wanted to put Could 100 been, on Yeah, them. they did. They, they did. wanted to put 100. And I, my, my line on the pitch line with Ruby Pass TV on the Big Dream Show Live was keep it under 100 Italy. And I felt a bit harsh saying that. Job done, though. Yeah, they did. They went out. Did they go out? Because they kept it under 100? I'll be honest I would not be going out no. even though the Australians are going out apparently because they've got a week before they go home because they've got to wait for the Fiji I'll just Portugal get on a plane game. Australia get on a plane boys you get going home well the side that's captured everyone's hearts and is on the brink of the quarterfinals is Fiji and we can have a chat now with their head coach Simon Rao-Louis joins us how are you mate? Good, good. Just back from training so yeah looking forward to joining you for in, uh, a really good conversation with the boys Mate, skip up. It's great to see you. The glory days at Saracens when you were skips. I was vice captain. We won't go there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> long time ago. How good's the World Cup been so far for you? I mean, people talked about 
Steve Borthwick taking over pretty late. I think you took over after him. But the impact that you boys have had, how's the camp? The boys must be buzzing in terms of where you're at and how much carver has been drank. That's all I need to know. No, we, we try to stay away from the car. It's not the best for uh, for training and recovery. No, but the boys have been uh, the boys have been great. We've uh, we came in 13, 14 weeks ago, and uh, obviously it's been a long campaign, and we've worked on a on a number of things, but we stuck to the basics. And they, to be fair to them, they've been really good, really good. And they've, uh, they're, the the team spirit's good. It's been driven really well by the senior leadership, and uh, yeah, they're they're getting the rewards for what they're doing. We still still got a bit of a way to go, so yeah, it's been good. Yeah, we don't want to get too excited. Everyone's talking about Fiji as their second team, if not their first team. What's been the shift, Simon? Because we've seen over the years, Fiji, loads of different coaches, the political landscape and everything that's gone on. I kind of felt when you got the keys to the kingdom that it was definitely going to work because of your heritage there and your understanding of the culture. And that's exactly what seemed to happen. I'm not asking you to talk yourself up, but what has been the shift in mindset for Fiji? Why are you so much better now than you have been and got this more all-round game? I think the first thing we looked at was our culture. We got back to what's been important for us. So we targeted that first week. We went back, uh, we went to an island called Taviuni. It was pretty grassroots. Uh, no no fancy five-star hotels. We were sleeping in a hall on mats uh, next to each other. Simply simple food, just training on a, the ground out the front of the, the accommodation. And we got back to what was important to us. And it was a, a reconnection of where we came from, the people that were important to us that got us there. And it was a reconnection of each other. And I think it was a, a real important base for us to get in there. It was a, it was a good start as well to get them uh, fit because obviously we come, we come from all parts of the world, different uh, programs. And that, getting that fitness base in there was really important. But I think the first thing we touched on was really that cultural side and a connection to who we're, where we're from and who we're playing for. And that was really important. And going back to that camp, mate, we saw the videos of the boys going up the hill arm in arm. And it looked, I'm not going to lie, it looked like hell trying to get up that muddy hill. I need to know, as the leader, did you lead from the front and have a go as well, Si? Or did the knees not hold out? <laughs> Actually, we, we all had to get up the hill to start off with. But I um, tactically took photos three times up the hill just to get landscapes, but more to get a minute's break and get the heart back down <laughs> under 100. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but once I was up there, yeah, I wasn't coming back down until we were leaving. But the boys were outstanding. They had a massive shift up the top of the up the top of the sand dunes and the, uh, that last bit that you saw where they were singing, that was their choice to go back down and finish arm in arm and show the real uh, camaraderie between the group. And it was uh, quite emotional standing up the top, seeing them come up. So it was a uh, real, real, uh, real good point for me. But I, no, I was not enjoying, I did not join in the session. <laughs> Actually, if your knees are bad, getting up isn't the issue. It's coming back down. So <laughs> smart when you do that. Some of the stuff, Simon, that I'm banging about on social media, growing the game or all that, I put a, a tweet out about Taggy actually and uh, his quick tap penalty at the weekend overlaid with some music I love the way that your team play always have done always will do but one thing that's always spoken about is Fijians are built differently the athleticism you'll know this firsthand but to share with our audience we see it from the outside looking in you've been at Saracens you've been over in Paris are we right in saying that you guys are built differently just tell us a little bit more about the natural genetics and athleticism you have not you, the lads. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Goody came to the test. I'm probably the only Fijian that was fast and built uh, ran on diesel. So <laughs> I love the I love the tweet with Luke Tung. It was poetry in motion. It was a a big man, athletic man, just being able to shift like that, and you can see the the body moving different ways and being able to take that contact. But it, in all seriousness, we we have been blessed with some amazing God-given talent in terms of uh, the physical attributes, speed, uh, size. But we we're starting to touch onto those other things where we're getting that uh, the ability to play for that 80 minutes, getting that base there. So we've we've got some amazing athletes through the forwards, through the backs. I think it's the sun and the food and the the Pacific that blesses all the islands with uh, the really good genetics. 100%. Now, obviously, you talked then about going for 80 minutes and sort of you always had the ability to rip a game to pieces and, and carve up, but... In terms of game management and stuff like that, a man that I've got a massive amount of respect for in your coaching team, Glenn Jackson, who's been there, done it, refereed it, is now coaching it as well. What sort of impact has he had on tempering that natural ability, the Fijian way, but also the understanding? Let's look at the Australia game. It wasn't a, for a neutral, a Fijian 
expected performance in chucking the ball around everywhere. It was game management 101, how to beat a proper team and perform in that way. How big an impact has Glenn had amongst all the other coaches? Because you're not going to take all the pats on the back yourself. You know, I'm sure you're really appreciative of everyone else's work, but he seems to have had a massive impact. No, Jacko's been great. Obviously, that contact with the Drew. So he's been with the Drew for two years now, two seasons, and had that contact with those 18 players that have come over. So he's been you know what he's like as a player he was a great player great rugby mind on him and he's got a real real gift with connecting with people and that's the important thing with with Fijians and Pacific Islanders is that connection if you get the connection right the boys will do a lot of things for you and they'll they'll work through a lot of things and so Jacko has been working uh, really hard for the last three or four years with uh, with the flying Fijians two years with the Drew and he's brought a lot of that quality through so he was always born to be a referee as well so when he played he like to talk and like to argue with the referee. So it was a natural transition for him. But that the career that he had in refereeing has been very, very important for us. So he's been able to give us um, what it's like from the referee's side, what sort of pictures we're needing to be able to paint. And I think our discipline has been a lot better improved every week. So, yeah, can't uh, understate how, how important his uh, contribution's been. Looking at this team and the way it's performing and catching everyone's attention, do you think this is like a generational thing? Like, is it this team or is there new pathways and, or something going on in the background that's got this team and the resources to where they are at the moment? Do you see like a movement in the way that Fiji play and where they're heading as far as could they win a World Cup in the next sort of few cycles or this one? I definitely think this is for the long term. I think uh, there's been a good progression through the pathways. We've got a, we've got a very healthy academy system that provides talent uh not only for Fiji, but for a lot of <laughs> a lot of other other places as well. Oh yeah. So that talent being able to go into the draw, being able to play professional rugby, thirty-five to forty players within our super rugby system, being able to live at home, just adds to our pathways. Uh, so I think we're getting the results of that already. Do you see players that are involved with our with our squad now? But you, I think by the next cycle, 27, 31, that's where you're going to see the real benefit of what the Druid brings to us. And then you splash it in with the guys that are playing at the highest level within Europe and Japan. Yeah, I think it's built for the long term. I think, obviously, I love this group. This group's uh, amazing. We've got some amazing talent within there. So I do think this is a very special group, but I do think it's built uh, for, for, for the long term. Headline question around being in the championship. Is it something that's been banded about? How are you as a I know you're thinking about the World Cup, but I also know that you have a mind about going forward as well and how you come out of this. There is an argument now, isn't there, with some of the results that you've had about Fiji being in the championship. It kind of makes sense for a number of reasons. Is these discussions happening? Do you have a view on that as you come out of the World Cup? I think, like in my previous role and still doing part of it, is a GM high performance. I've been involved in those conversations, whether it's APAC or going into new competitions, uh, matches played against... uh, the development nation tier one nation. So they've been involved in those conversations. So the thing that's important for us is not to get in front of ourselves, not to get to think of that. If we look after the things such as results, our rankings, get our infrastructure right, uh, making sure everything's right at home in terms of administration, we put ourselves in the, the, the window to get a position if it does come up. So I think it's really important that we look after the the short term and the long term will look after itself if we if we uh, if we do the right thing. Are the discussions happening though, Simon? Is it moving towards that way though? Yeah, well, there is, there is definitely discussions. We've got obviously a new competition uh, hopefully coming up in terms of the APAC with Asia Pacific uh, Americas. But I think long term, we obviously want to get into that uh, higher echelon of a uh, competition, as do other teams within in similar positions to us. So those competitions are having, uh, sometimes they're at a very high level, but they are happening. And I hopefully that uh, the teams that put their best foot forward to get rewarded. Just around you and Fiji and, and the players, you mentioned then obviously the Drua, uh, but you've got all the world-class players playing in Europe as well, in France, Japan, and obviously there's a fair few in England. In terms of global season, for you, and we've seen it with Samoa as well, how difficult it is, and Tonga, for them to get everyone together and play enough games. Is that something that is now a necessity where we have a global season where we get clarity on players when they're playing in France or England or Japan or Super Rugby, and then there's a clear pathway? Because we've spoken to many Pacific Island players and it's really tough we all know it. it's a really tough decision they want to play for their country but also there's pressure on them from the clubs and the contracts and all that stuff is it something that is 
we have to do it as soon as possible to get a global season to align everything so that there is that pathway for, you know, a Red Tonga have only played, is it 13 games or something like that in between World Cups, oh, yes. which is madness. Samoa yeah. was 11. Yeah, and it's just, to me, it's just not fair when a lot of the bigger nations are playing 20-odd games. It's one of the hard things, obviously, not just us, but Samoa, uh, Tonga, those countries that rely on other competitions, they're playing in competitions that obviously not in our season. So we have the two windows, the July window and the November window, where either way, we're either flying up to Europe with one week's preparation or our boys are flying down to the Pacific for one week's preparation. So six matches a year is normally what we, we we're allocated. With the Drua, uh, we're starting to get opportunities maybe playing outside the window. because We've got uh, 40, 35 to 40 uh, contracted uh, players that are uh, century contracted that we can look after. But ideally, you'd be able to have, it'd be awesome to have access to your players during a window where everyone is available. But having played in Europe, I understand what the clubs need as well in terms of their investment to the players. And we've we've been lucky with the clubs. They've been, they've been very good. They've... Uh, They've worked with us, with their players. We've worked with them to keep them updated because they're, they're obviously very important to them. So, yeah, it's it's a bit of a balance because obviously playing within the draw, they, it's good that our players get that opportunity to play and earn money. But realistically, the big money where they're going to change their life is going to be three or four or five years down the line after they play for the draw and they're making money in Europe, which is uh, obviously <laughs> the, the euro and the pound is a, is a lot stronger than they they look to come over here. So for at the moment, we've still got to work within those parameters, um, making sure that they're looked after, but also also making sure that we're looked after in terms of what we need as a national uh, program. Just looking at the now, Simon, seemed like the team was a little bit off against Georgia. I know they were fighting for everything, but just emotionally a little bit off what's been said. What was the evaluation of the game? It was more how good Georgia were. I think the first half Georgia were amazing. They... They tactically came out and uh, saw where our strengths were and attacked us there. They attacked our big ball runners with two, three tacklers and got us on the game line. We didn't help ourselves in terms of uh, ball control turnover. Uh, we turned over a bit of set piece at, at the line out. So the first half was was a really tough, uh, tough half, which uh, Georgia thoroughly deserved to go into at halftime uh, with the lead. We uh, reassisted halftime. Uh, what we need to do, get back to a bit of basis, carry that, hold that ball a bit more... Uh, Good clarity in that set piece, and we were lucky enough to come away with the win. Uh, did you shout at the boys? And if so, if you didn't, how do they respond? You know, you talk about the psyche for Jeans, like we've played with Fijians and the great Seru Rambini as well. It was just an amazing human and we, we miss him a lot, but I always smile when I think about him. I know he wasn't a player that liked being shouted at and when he was at Leicester, that's all they did was shout at each other. So <laughs> when you're there, like, is that part of the cultural thing and how you interact? Like, If they're not playing well and you start screaming and shouting, is that where the players switch off? I'm not a screamer and shouter. I'm, uh, <laughs> I, was say. I'm, I'm, I think I'm pretty even keeled through most things. Go in and you say what you need to say. Um, look for solutions rather than creating problems. I think that's a that's a big thing. And just trusting in what they what they know. They they have a great leadership group. They they talk well through the problems. And I think even as as a player, the more you get shouted at, the more it's, it's kind of a way of saying that I don't trust you. So giving them trust and letting the, our coaching staff uh, give them messages, give them solutions, and then me just trying to calm them down and uh, say, well, what, what, what do we need to do to, to get through this? And um, yeah, they've been pretty good at just looking at that. So yeah, no, I'm not a, I'm not a huge shouter or screamer. My language sometimes is not so good, but it's not, it's not said in any way with aggression. So I just, I think I like to think I'm quite calm. I think Jim's just scarred from all the times the coach has shouted at him, so he wants everyone else to be shouting at him. But surely all, at half-time, it's just about eyebrows, isn't it? You just give the Fijians the head flick and the eyebrows, and they're like, yeah, we're good. Yeah, Weiss has got the, we've got the press count, the conferences down well. I, I do all the talking, and he just translates with his eye talk. So, yeah. <laughs> Let's fast-forward then to this week's game. For you, obviously, you know, minimum losing bonus point and, you, and you're through, but you won't be thinking about that. Portugal have done exceptionally well for a team that no one perhaps outside of them expected much of until we had Victor Matfield on here and he was talking about their line-out. So how impressed have you been with them and, and what sort of challenges have you got for this weekend? They've been amazing. And it's not um, not just been this World Cup. We've watched, obviously, um, since we knew they were in our pool, we've watched all their games and they play an amazing brand of rugby through Petra's uh, largest game. They... Um, they love to attack. They're uh, 
they love to get their outside backs who are very, very dangerous, naughty feet, and they like to get them on one-on-one, so they like to get to their width. You saw against the Wallabies on the weekend, very strong set piece. We're attacking, uh, they were attacking the Wallabies in the in the mall, put them under pressure in the scrum, got a couple of pennies. So the growth in their game has been really, really good, which is which is great to see. And you've, they've got some outstanding talents out there. They, uh, you can just see them. They, just, they play a beautiful brand of rugby. And I think that's why they've captured the imagination of the French public and everyone that comes to watch them because they, uh, yeah, they're a very exciting team. So, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to the game, but we, can, we understand what the challenge is going to be. Just finally, before we let you go, we've had a tweet come in and it's a scenario question for you. So you're in a quarterfinal. <laughs> it's a must-win game. You have to bring in someone that's going to create an impact that could get you through to the World Cup final, semi-final, final. Do you bring in yep. Andy Good or Jim Hamilton? You played with them both. <laughs> what are you doing? He didn't play with me, but he saw me play. Uh, uh, apologies, Goody. I'm bringing the top oh, five. Oh, love. <laughs> uh, you need a ten. I, I ride and die with the top five, mate. It's uh, we, we gotta we gotta look after each other. No one else likes us, so we gotta find ourselves. <laughs> Amen to that. You you could have pumped me up a little bit more and no, said it could have been from charge downs. It could have been from control at line out physicality. But <laughs> no, mate, they could be, I, I, I know that, I know that qualities, Jim. You we, uh, all those there, but first and foremost, you're a top five, and I'm, you're my brother. There we go. My heart I'll hurts. That was he was my skipper, Simon Rowley. Who was it? <laughs> yeah, well, I was. I, yeah. I was his vice captain. I love you, I, love you good. I was genuinely his I vice captain for about three weeks, you. then I got sacked. Um, anyway. Yeah, he, he doesn't want to take the team down the, the path of no return. Um, Simon, last question from me. I just want to ask your opinion. I don't know whether it's even conversations within your team about like the greatest athlete in your squad. You've got Joshua Tuasova in terms of aesthetically. You've got Lavani Bottia, who for me is one My of the favorite top player. five players in the world. Goody told me about him three years ago. Didn't really know about it. Gosh, we know about him Absolute now. Hero. Who's the one in that team? Not as a player, not as a man, as an athlete. Who's the greatest athlete in your team? I think Josh is. Uh, Josh is up there. So he, whenever they're in a huddle, I, I'm, I stand on the outside and I uh, watch from behind what they're saying or listen from behind what they're saying. And and normally I'm behind Josh, and he's just an incredible in terms of you, you the shape, calves, quads, all the way up is just a, just an incredible specimen. Another one who is. Uh, is a bit of an Adonis. Is a Lakima Tangitangivalu, uh, the flanker from Po. Um, yeah, he's he's one that uh, when he comes in the shower, I get out really quickly and put the towel around and uh, go back to the change room. <laughs> so he's, he's a, uh, yeah, so he's a pretty amazing. But you, yeah, there's a lot of amazing uh, athletes. So you got Semi Radrada, you've got the Weiss Knight level as well. So they're 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 pretty impressive uh, physiques. Like and like you said earlier, I was I'm probably the only Fijian in the in the world that wasn't blessed with any of it. <laughs> <laughs> you got a great brain though, apart from picking Jim. <laughs> Last thing for me then, we, we've all played with Fijians, and they're genuinely some of the toughest competitors, but the nicest people with it on the field and off the field. Like they'll smash you, empty your ribs, and then pick you up and say sorry. But they all love a giggle, and there's always that high pitched giggle going around any Fijians. I played with loads of them. Norman Laguerre over in Breve, yeah. obviously the late great Sarah Rambini, hundreds of different Fijians across the world. How do you control all the giggling? Because it's a natural thing, isn't it? And as a head coach, you can't have 40 odd players giggling the whole time because you're thinking someone needs to switch on. But it's infectious but also they're like it's like your kids isn't it yeah, when your like, kids are is it babysitting sometimes all these big Fijian lovable characters that just giggle in a high pitched voice the whole time yeah it's um, it's not about controlling it it's about they understand when they got to work but it's the, one of our values is enjoyment a smiling happy laughing Fijian is a dangerous dangerous Fijian so we we promote them uh, being happy we promote them enjoying themselves uh, we, we promote them projecting their culture so for people can see it. So we're very inclusive. We want to include people in what we do, what we stand for. And I think that's why they get the boys get embraced so much because they, it's a very infectious uh, culture and very loving. So and, and as you guys probably know, uh, a Fijian house is an open house. So you, you can you can knock on a door and you're always welcome. So, yeah, I think it's one of the strengths. And it's not about controlling it. It's about uh, really promoting it in, uh, in reality. Nice. Last thing I'll ask you then: England in the quarterfinal. Are you winning or England winning? I'm horrible. I can't say that. We got Portugal on the weekend, so really looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, awesome to have you on, mate. Real privilege, and uh, best of luck for the rest of the tournament, especially against England in the corner final. Vanaka. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to be on. Cheers, Simon. Legend. Absolute legend. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it, Skipper. Cheers, boys. Okay. Picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold slurpy drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven, and your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small slurpy drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that about me going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, how about going to visit a 7-Eleven valid through 1725? 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax, participating U.S. stores, see app for full terms, all rights reserved. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Top, Top lad. Yeah. My what goodness, man, that was so good. Absolute legend, apart from him picking you. And that was only because the number on your back. But hey, he's genuinely one of the most humble, and Fijians are humble, aren't they? But he's one of the most humble, level-headed, nicest guys you could ever meet. Yeah, when he played, he was an absolute animal. Mm. No better man for the job. No. And the reason is, and it wasn't for Vern Cotter. Shake hand, shake hand, Stern Vern. And they let it go about Stern Vern. It doesn't doesn't work in Fiji. Our Romania doesn't work. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're Fijian as well. <laughs> I, I've always loved Fiji. Like we mentioned, the players Akapusi and Gera at Gloucester as well. Yeah. We mentioned Sarabini. Like anyone you've been around with the Fijians. Sarevi, he played at Leicester. Yeah, Sarevi played it in Hong Kong as well. Mate, I, was, I, get, I was against. No, I was with him. Yeah. I was in the global. 15. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, they're just the nicest. But you won't ever meet a bad Fijian, I don't no. think. But my thing is on Simon, because he's done the rounds in Europe, so he understands yeah. the structures, the commerciality of the game, all of these things, but he's a Fijian. So mm. the culture aspect, which is the number one most important thing, and we see that, and I'm going to be a little bit harsh on Karevi and Kurumbeti at the weekend. This is where I thought I saw the cracks in Australia was because you've got two players from Fijian descent yeah. and they, they looked like they wanted to go home. They didn't like Eddie. Well, oh, they, sorry. didn't like Eddie. I mean, Karevi comes on, he's trying to fucking monster people. Curran Betty was... He was angry. He was it? in, like, anyone's World 15 a year ago. They looked like two players that don't want to play for Eddie Jones. And that was a kind of snapshot of the mindset. They need love, they need energy, and you've got a man at the helm that understands that deep-rooted culture because he is them, but also understands the structures and the kicking and the set piece and all them things. No better man for the job. What I want to know is Tangy Tangy Valu in the showers. Wow, that's an anomaly though. <laughs> <laughs> is what he is kind of saying. <laughs> Run for the hills. Tonga were impressive yeah. against South Africa, mm. weren't they? New bits on that. I mean, Ben Tamifuna. What a unit. Right. He needs to get fit. Mate, I'd, what? He needs to be fitter. How many tight as do you know stay on for 80 minutes? First yeah, and foremost. but he's the captain. Literally he's so important to him. So, yeah. Secondly, in Ben Tamifuna's defence, right, I've commentated a lot on French rugby. I've seen him play a lot. And I'm like, that is a big, big old unit. Do you see him take his top off and swap his shirt with Actually, Chalisi? not as bad. Absville, Tennessee. Yeah, yes, not there as you bad. Go. And there you thinking, are going, he's got to get fitter. He I, had abs on abs. To be fair, I was surprised. Yeah. He looked a lot leaner than I thought. Mate, and I've seen him bigger. He's been big before. 13 ball carries in the game. Yeah. Like he was, you know, he's got a try. Scrum was good. I agree. He's captain. You say he's got to get fitter. 
that's the fittest I've ever seen. That's the best I've ever seen him play. Yeah, that's like, the best I've a, seen, as ever in, seen him he play. He was unbelievable for... He's out of contract. <laughs> it must be, yeah. He's earning a lot of euros in France. But yeah, I mean, we've just spoken to Simon Raul-Louis about it. And Tonga are hitting their straps at the back end of the tournament. And it boils down to, and I've, I did a column for Rugby Pass, how much Tonga have played since the 2019 I think I think they've played about 15 games. I might be wrong, give or take one or two. But in four years, they've played 15 international fixtures. I think... Some of the team at One Nations play about 15 fixtures in one season. They don't. They play about 13 sometimes. But, again, it boils back down to Tongans, the pathway. You know, they've all got to play somewhere around the world because there's no super rugby team from Tonga, etc., etc. So this is where world rugby needs to take a grip of it all and show that they actually care about all the nations. Not, and I hate the whole thing around Tier 1, Tier 2. But Tonga need more opportunities to play together in a global season where they can have their best players that might be playing in France or England or Japan or wherever else around the world to be playing regularly, competitively and training together to improve themselves because they're freakishly good when they've got some cohesion. And at times they prove that at the weekend. But ultimately, for me, it's not a level or fair playing field when... You know, you've got some nations not playing anywhere near as much as rugby as others and therefore development is slow and they're slow into a tournament. And yeah, I just wish they'd beaten Scotland as well. I care. Yeah, good. Jim Jim Hamilton, World Rugby. I care. You, I'm going to give you a list of jobs to get done at World right. Rugby by the time we finish this World Cup. The other big talking point out of that game, Andre Pollard. Impressive. Oh, I mean, strikes a ball beautifully off the deck, doesn't he? Mm. Beautiful goal kicking, but then so did Marnie Le when he came on. Yeah. Good to see Andre Pollard back. He's played half an hour of rugby for Leicester Tigers, straight back into the team. I don't think it changes anything in terms of selection at 10. I think Marnie Lebock, excitement and the way he manages the game. The big question mark is goal kicking. So it then comes back down to to me, and I think Razzy Erasmus has come out and said that Marnie Lebock's there 10. Obviously, Andre's there as backup and a viable option off the bench to goal kick if things are going amiss. Like what I've done there, amiss. Against France... So does change the split of their bench, maybe. There won't be the argument around a 7-1 bench. But yeah, Andre Pollard looked good, but he's not done enough or there hasn't been enough time for him to oust Marnie Lebock from the 10 jersey for me. Other talking point from the game. Mazzola, yeah. Ma Pimpy. Ma Pimpy. Yeah, I feel I couldn't enough. do it with the energy. Yeah, broken cheekbone. Very sad. Yeah, think how good he was four years ago. Mm. Real shame. With the injuries they've had as well, yeah. you think? They, I mean, they do have depth, though. That's the th- big yeah, thing. So, especially in the back three. Mapimpi but... probably wasn't in there or would be in their starting team. No. Because of Arensa, Cheslin Colby, maybe Kane and Moody as well. But it's very sad for him. And the big question, I thought Luke Pierce had a really good game as referee. Best he in the did. world now, Luke Pierce for me. The final? No, because England are going to be there. Oh, but that tackle, people are like, oh, he's fractured his eye socket. And he didn't even get a card. Well, it was an actual pure rugby incident, I think. Very unfortunate. And I think Luke Pierce did the right thing in not giving... He gave a penalty, but it was no more because it was there was no malice behind it or there was no high degree of danger. I thought he refed the game really well and he made decisions. And yeah, I know he, he went down the line of trying to give Evan Epsabeth a, a yellow card and then his assistant referees talked him out of it. But yeah, poor Mapimpi is all I'm saying. Yeah. Jim, you were on the telly on the weekend as well, weren't you? Two games. Yeah. Well, the Australian-Portugal game is the I one was. we want to talk about, yeah. the big one. Yeah, it was all right. I had Australia by 40. I thought they were going to bulldoze Portugal. They don't like any the of the boys, that... do they? You can tell. You can tell. Is it me? Why because I've said that. I've why, said that. Why been and horrible? I feel like I have been horrible. And why I've been d- horrible to Eddie now. You loved him a couple of weeks ago. Because I've, this is horrible. What I did say, again, pitch side, because there wasn't a huge amount to talk about after the All Blacks put 100 points on Italy. I was with Andrew Mertens and Andy Ellis, a scrum half former. You're trying to get Eddie sacked? No, I was, I was trying to get a headline, which is not normally the way that I go about Click business. Beta. It was. It was a clickbait line. I said. World Cup winning half bet. World Cup winning halfback, yeah. Good lad as well, he's got his own show in New Zealand. That's that's why he wanted to come on, bit of a cross-collaboration, but he didn't want to answer the question. He was in favour of Eddie Jones, so I went away from that feeling bad because my line was, I'll get to that now, that Eddie Jones has lost the changing rooms. That's a big statement to make. Not knowing, but kind of feeling. True. 
You reckon? Yeah. That's what you. it looks like. We all well, know. Mate, we all know. Good, mate, good. We all You're the wrong know. man. Good is the wrong man to ask. I'm Not only has he lost no, the change room, he's lost all his coaches, his medics, he's lost a lot. 17 assistant coaches he had with England. <laughs> I've been, 17. I've been saying it for Hang ages, on. Stop, my friend. Stop then. Stop. Let's <laughs> get so, so excited Adam when Weather, we can drill Andy Rowe. Andy Rowe. Am I right in saying Eddie Jones has lost the changing room? I'm asking you, not Goody. He has categorically lost the changing room. All right. What He's are you going it. based on that? You look at the players when they, they don't look like they want yeah, to be there. That's what I thought. Okay, that's enough. All right, that's enough. I'm, I I, that, that's <laughs> what I feel. And I know David Parecki loosely. I was at Saracens with him. Couldn't hit a two step lob. Back at Saris, and now he's captain of the Wallabies and deserves Why to be as well. No, I'm joking. Maybe he didn't I'm, want I'm, to hit I'm, you on a two-step lob. He didn't. No, he didn't want to hit anyone. Has he played Monday lob. night football as well? I never played one Monday night <laughs> football game for Saris <laughs> under the lights. But I look at them press conferences, and I looked at. I said it earlier around Karevi, Corimbetti, and the fact that this is no disrespect to Portugal, right? They're miles better. But if you're Australia, you've been embarrassed how you were at the weekend against Wales before. You're doing it for your coach, right? You've got to believe in something. You're doing it for your country, stage. your jersey, each other, and the coach, and they ain't doing it for the coach. Yeah, I think you have to do it for your coach. More, like, as in, you've got the person that's speaking to you that is the head of the team. This is just from my personal experience. I know England in 2006. Sacked off the coaches and yeah. player-led. France did the same in 2011 yeah. as well. So this is just me speaking from experience. Like I have to be able to follow the coach and... I don't know if I'm harsh in saying that he's lost a changing room, but that's how it looks from the outside. Yeah, Phil Ward's come out, though, and said he's keeping his job, which I find amazing. But let's make it about Portugal, though, because yes. we've moaned about Eddie and Australia mm. enough, and he, you know everyone is agreeing now with what I've been saying for the last six years. Eddie was very humble at the press conference, though, wasn't he? He's very subdued. Well, hold on. They asked him about the booze, and he, he tried to turn it on the TMOs, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate, it's because of TMOs, mate. Too much, mate. The first time I've seen him biting his nails. You normally see him, he's got his hands under the table, he's like yapping. Anyway, Portugal. Portugal. Yeah, sorry, Portugal. Portugal. Decent yeah. brand of rugby. Mm. Portela and Marquez in halfbacks. Good players. And it's great to see, like, you know, tough task, you one of the lowest ranked teams, etc., etc. But what a way to take on a World Cup. And Simon Raul Louis said it. They're obviously playing them this weekend. And he said the French public have taken to the Portuguese because of the brand of rugby they play. Mm. They've been a very nice surprising package for some people. Favourite player for Portugal? Go on. He was on the bench, Francisco Fernandes. And to be fair to Philippa, who was on ITV with, she had all the stats out on everything. I was absolutely winging it, I was to do. My favourite player, Francisco Fernandes, he's been loose said for Portugal, he was on the bench at the weekend. 27 yellow cards. <laughs> wow. 27 yellow cards That's in his career. That, well, I, I didn't know that stat. But there's a stat there. I like the way that he plays. I, I mean, Portugal, I mean, we know that they follow their teams. We see that, the court following in football, Ronaldo. Did you get Ronaldo on the big gym show? He was going to come, but he thought they were going to get hammered <laughs> at the course, weekend. Of course he was. Good looking fans as well. Yeah, the Portuguese. Well, you, what, judging you, people like that. No, no, he's not. He's basing that on Kiwis. <laughs> 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 well, let's have a look at the games then that we've got to look forward to this week. France and Italy. Have Italy got a chance here to cause a little bit of an upset here? No. Really? No. More chance than Scotland. Was it 27-24 in the Six Nations this year? Yeah, James. With their big players. Okay, do you think okay. it's closer than, what did you say? Ireland going to beat Scotland by 20? Yeah. All right, go on then. You go first. France to beat Italy by 18. Facetious. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say France by... 25. Did I say 18 or 80? I can't remember. We'll leave it in. 25. Georgia will fancy their chances against Wales. Not a chance. Oh, did I call it as well? I'm never going against Actually, my Wales through. again. They're through, aren't they? Oh, gosh. Maybe. Look at me. I knew how it was going to unfold. I had Georgia to beat Wales. You did, James. No, well, no chance. You had, you had Georgia to qualify for the quarterfinals. Wales are going full noise. I think their team's out. Yeah. Ants comes at 10. That's a big talking point. No, big is not even on the bench. Yeah, so. but a big call for the quarters for Wales do yeah. they go bigger do they go Anscombe well it just depends on biggest fitness really I think yeah so they've had a week off the Welsh boys they got beaten by Georgia didn't they there you go out of the principality mm. but nah momentum they smashed Australia I'm, I'm going Wales by 16 
Yeah, they don't score loads, Wales. They scored 40 against Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Off the back of their biggest ever victory against the Aussies. But yeah, don't against score Georgia. Much. Don't score much against Georgia. <laughs> I'm going to go. Why have only gone 16 then? Well, because, you know, it's a cagey affair. Okay. Well, that's what it's I was thinking. All right. Yeah. I think this is a harder game. It could be 56 points to 40, James. It's still 16 points. I'm going to go Wales. But what did you say? 16. I'm going to go Wales by 14. Samoa, England. Ooh. Be a bit Ooh. of a test for England, this. Whoa. Because if we're being honest, Argentina was shocking. Japan weren't much better. And then we've beaten Chile by a cricket score. Samoa bring a very different challenge. It depends on their mindset. Can they still finish third Samoa to automatically qualify? I think they can. Yes, and Samoa also beat Tonga before the World Cup. Yeah. McFarland, good player. Very good. Jamie George said he's one of the best players in the world. Lua Tua, playing against some of a couple of his teammates. Vui. Mm. They got some ballers. I'm going to go England by 22. Mm, I was going to say 20. I'll stick with it. Fiji, Portugal. This is going to be good to watch. I'll be amazing. You've yeah. got two of the favourite teams in the tournament. Let's just say at the same time, Fiji by 20. 32. Oh, you said 20. Eight. <laughs> <laughs> 32. And it's winner takes all. And Paul D to come out of the group. Argentina, Japan. Oh, hard one to call. Both to Argentina have been awful. But since Felipe came on the pod, beyond expected series. Big game for both. Massive. You've got two iconic teams in their own right. So Japan, and this is a thing around, I mentioned it earlier around the games, that teams play in between World Cups. Yes, we've had a pandemic. Imagine what happened post-2019 World Cup, the crest of a wave that Japan were on. And it's all gone downhill. They haven't played enough rugby, blah, 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 blah. They need this victory, Japan, to get back to... I think Japan win. Really? Which is maybe a big statement. I'm going to go Japan by eight. I'm going to go Argentina by ten. Scotland, Ireland. Scotland win by four. (laughs) Sorry, I thought you were joking. You serious? I think Scotland win. Ireland by 20. All right, then let's finish things off with the good, the bad and the ugly. Yes, let's. We're going to start off with a few player milestones in the good. Shout out to Sir Khaleesi for his 50th game as Springboks captain. Big effort from him. Nicolas Sanchez for Argentina got his 100th cap at the weekend for Argentina and scored 20 points versus his rivals, geographical rivals, Chile. So big shout out to Nicolas Sanchez. Uh, love him as a player. Sam Whitelock gets another mention of the good this week. 149th test cap for New Zealand and now New Zealand's most capped ever player. Unreal. Played against him. He looks about 60 at the minute, doesn't he? But yeah, well, he's always looked old. Saw Nick Gill pitch today. He said he's always looked old. Man-child, yeah. used to call him. But he's definitely getting over the 150 uh, at some point. Congrats to all those boys for their milestones. What else was good? Darcy Graham. Ridiculous stats from the weekend. 23 carries, 14 defenders beaten, 213 metres gained, ball in hand, seven clean breaks and four tries. Some boy... And a blonde dyed hair style as well, which and makes him look. Makes him, yeah. Makes I think look, he needs to go black on the moustache, yeah. blonde hair. That's going to be makes iconic. Makes him look even quicker, though. So, uh, yeah, big shout out to Darcy Graham. New Zealand get a shout out in the good this week, yes. Andy Rowe. Yeah, yeah, 14 tries. So, I'm in again. From but... 22 visits into Italy's 22 metre line. So, they were very clinical, the All Blacks. Uh, big shout out to them. Ben Tamifuna. Gets a shout-out in the good this week. 13 carries. Jim said he's not fit, but what are you on about, no, Jim? No, he is fit. He needs to get fitter. Yeah, 13 carries, 44 metres gained, four defenders beaten, and a try. And when he took his shirt off, he had abs, so I, I, I my respect shocked. went through the roof Mine too. for the big fella. So shout-out to Ben Tamifuna. But the good this week goes to Portugal, to me. In defeat. I don't often do this, give a mm. team mm. a good in defeat. I've been so impressed with how they've approached the tournament, how they've played, how the fans have taken to them because of the brand of rugby they play. It's a big performance versus Australia in defeat. Enterprising. Let's call it enterprising. Mm. Portela and Marquez at halfbacks were unbelievable, I think, at times, and they showed real attacking intent. So uh, outstanding work. The seed as well for Baton Court's try by Thomas Appleton was a world of a pass. Yeah. Sevens. Um, good team, Portugal. And I go on holiday there a couple of times a year. So, a couple. Uh, welcome me back. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why Portugal get the good this week. The bad, few bits of bad. First one, and we forgot to talk about this. Ridiculous question from a journalist. You're getting a mention of the bad. I couldn't work out who he was. 
probably some oh, some of them absolute Mickey Mouse absolutely bloke. abysmal. He asked Jack Nienaber about Scotland and Ireland concocting to match fix the game so that South Africa went out. What a stupid I know. question! I saw that. Yeah, idiot, whoever that journal is. So maybe he gets... Wales, Wales online, maybe. <laughs> they're French. Oh, were they? Yeah, they're so French. French. Oh, All right. it, let's go after them. That was pretty bad. The Ranfurly Shield getting oh broken. Loose. The old log of wood by the Hawks Bay boys. Yeah. Uh, what are you doing, boys? It's now two logs of wood, isn't it? What's that about, Andy Rose? Just... Two something. Where's, mm. the, where's sure. the bloody respect for the... For the log of wood. Well, they yeah. cut baking cakes on there as well. I saw a picture that was doing the rounds. Like, yeah. who's making, who's baking at that time in the morning? Mini rolling pin on there. Yeah. Well. <laughs> there we go. Uh, they get a mention the bad. Sir Cliff Woodward, so, sorry, Clive Woodward gets a mention of the bad this week. He's that bad. He thought Mapimpy was playing at hooker. <laughs> <laughs> no comment from Jim Hamilton, but yeah. So, Sir Clive Woodward, you get a mention of the bad for basically not having a clue about what you've been paid to do but there we go Namibia get a mention the bad as well taking 96 points who takes 96 points Romania had a go they get a mention the bad as well they, they took shocking. 84 they so, points they were so bad what about this Romania 84 points against Scotland 76 points against South Africa don't ask me to add them up and it's took 82 against Ireland I mean I feel for them because they've had a brutal group but still was Andy Robinson the defence coach there still? Well, all I know is Vern was there laughing before the game. What's <laughs> yeah. there to laugh about, mate? Yeah. Shake hands, no, What's there to laugh about? Shake hands, <laughs> shake hands. No, fucking you shake hands. <laughs> so Vern gets a mention in the bad as well for yes. his Romanian team. Italy get a mention in the bad for taking 96 points against the All Blacks. They were playing touch. Makazoli Mapimpi gets a mention in the bad as well. Unfortunately for him, fractured his eye socket, so his World Cup is over according to Razi Erasmus. So a uh, big loss for them and very sad for him. But the bad this week goes to the Jersey Reds going bust and a bit of the finger pointing at the RFU again for letting this happen. Very sad scenes over in Jersey. They won the championship last year and have gone bust a few months later. So RFU, you need to pull your finger out and start getting the structures and governance right and funding right across the game so that we don't lose any more clubs. Otherwise, rugby is going to be in a very dark place for a long time. So the bad this week goes to the Jersey Reds going bust and some serious questions need to be asked about the RFU and governance. Someone's paying Jersey, though. One of the rich people yeah. who's not paying tax um, is uh, <laughs> is bailed out Jersey yeah. for the month, whatever that means. But yeah. they're paying salaries, and number that means yeah. they'll carry on, but I doubt it. And then finally, the ugly, only one bit of ugly really, Ben Lamb gets the ugly this week for his upright shoulder to the head of Labashane, uh, seeing a red card. He's got a three-match ban, down to two if he does tackle school. He's going to meet Faz in there. Faz has got those locked down, those tackle schools. So, Ben Lamb. He probably takes them, Faz. He does, yeah. Mm. Fucking tackle, like, with shoulder, but just don't try and hit head. No! <laughs> there you go, Ben Lamb. He gets the ugly this week. Thanks, Gertie. And we've had a load more Beyond Expected stories come through as part of our partnership with Asahi. This one is great, and it's from Dan Bond, who was over in Marseille at the World Cup. And he writes in, Me and my wife travelled to Marseille for the England-Argentina match. We arrived early in the morning and went to the obligatory Irish bar to watch the earlier games. We tried to call the owner of the apartment that we booked, but no answer. Quickly became apparent that we'd been scammed and had nowhere to stay. We headed to the small rugby village on the waterfront and found a tourist information stand. That's where we met Neymar. We asked if she knew any hostels or anywhere we could stay. She said everything would be fully booked, but after trying to ring around, she gave up and exclaimed that we could stay with her. We were saved. Neymar finished her voluntary shift and took us back to her place, where she let us have a shower and a change. She then dropped us back into the centre. She picked us up after the match. She gave us her bed for the sofa for me and my wife and dropped us back into Marseille the next day. She was a genuine, kind person and has restored our faith in humanity. She wouldn't accept any money or gifts, but did it from the kindness of her heart. It was a whirlwind of a 36 hours. A great win by England, but Neymar was our hero. What a legend. Thanks, Gertie. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Rob. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Robbie Spot. Spotify, bod, 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 bod. bod. <laughs>